family this week, and uh, we feel that. And I just want to thank you for uh, all the things you've done and for being in these services and for your kindness to all of us. And uh, it's so good to be with you. Thank you, Pastor Dan, for uh, all your work and your family's work in organizing this. And uh, thank you, Grace, for always being there. Always being there. See you in 12 days. Okay? <laughs> and uh, again, I, I really do appreciate how much you've made, the extent to which you've made us feel at home. You, you even brought this weather for me from uh, Tennessee. I, I deeply appreciate it. And uh, sorry, Nancy. Sorry, Nancy. I'll try. I'll try. And uh, I know you're warm, so. You know, we'll, we'll try to shorten the message tonight. As a matter of fact, um, I promise I will, I'll shorten the sermon by 10 minutes if you'll promise to buy a Brian Arner CD before you go home tonight. Will you do that? Is that a deal? All right, good. I want you to do that. And uh, it's just been a privilege to work with Brian. Uh, what, a, what a man and uh, what a brother and a friend. And uh, don't you just love to hear him? Just praise the Lord and lead us in that. And uh, pray for him as he goes tonight. I invite you to turn one more time, speaking of final thoughts, to 2 Timothy and and just the closing four verses of chapter 1. It's in this time as Paul spends those days in the Mamertine prison, and as he ponders life and, and where he's been, you hear a lot of that in this letter, you know, you hear a lot of reflection. This is... This is, no, this is no like to-do list, he's sending Timothy, or uh, he's, not, he's not talking about theology. He did that in the first letter to Timothy, theology. But this letter is this reflective, pondering type letter. You hear it in chapter 4 so clearly when he says, I have fought the good fight, I have, run, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. And he knows. He knows the time's coming. Funny thing, when, when we think... When we know or think that life is coming to its conclusion, it's, a, it's an interesting thing as human beings what that does to us. We, we tend to reflect a lot more when we think the end of life is near. Sometimes, and normally in life, you know, it seems like the normal anyway. We get busy. We don't think about very much eternal things. We don't think about the, the really big things. You know, we're, we're more focused, at least I am, we're fo- more focused on, you know, kind of the next thing and what's going on. And thanks for sitting down front, Judy. Appreciate that. We're more focused on all this stuff. And then, and then when, when real life hits, when life and death, you know, we, we've all been there. It's in those hospital rooms and it's at the funeral homes. We tend to think about things in a different perspective. In the foxhole, in the hospital, at the funeral home, we tend to think about things. Death row, Paul was, and he's, he's reflecting about life and, and the things that matter. And he really wants to... He really wants to convey that to Timothy. And as he thinks about that, he's thinking about, what do I want to leave behind? What do I want to leave behind? May all who come behind us find us faithful. What do I want to leave behind? And who are the people that have impacted my life? You you tend to think about the things that really matter, and that's people, isn't it? You know, tonight there's nothing we can take with us to heaven except people. That's kind of the stuff he's thinking about. I want you to come, Timothy. And I want you to bring all those people with you. And he's thinking about who are the people that have impacted his own life. 
And just in a funny little passage at the end of chapter 1 here, chapter 1, verses 15 to 18, Paul takes a moment and he reflects on how different people have impacted his life in very different ways. Very different ways. It's a contrast between those who have impacted him in a, in a negative way and those who have impacted him in such a godly way. So, so he says this in verse 15. This you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesephorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously, and he found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day, and you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. The contrast, um, basically you just have these two groups, if you will. I mean, those who have been a negative, a, a, a downer in Paul's life, those who have been a hurt to him, and, and this other man named Onesephorus and his family who have been such a blessing to him. And, and it's obvious tonight what this is all about and, and where you and I want to be. Just a matter of seeing it clearly. There, there's this group, he names a couple of these guys in verse 15, these guys, and you probably want to think about these for future names for your children, I'm sure, or grandchildren. This would be just real neat, right? He names these guys Phygelus and Hermogenes. Now, Phygelus and Hermogenes are, uh, are part of, as we kind of look at the rest of, of 2 Timothy, and as we peek back to 1 Timothy, these guys are mentioned kind of a little bit more with, you get the picture that they are a part of a group in the church. Now, I know at your church there's no cliques or groups, right? There's no, no groups or cliques. But at this church here... There is these cliques or these groups. And, and Phygelus, Hermogenes, and then a couple, a couple guys mentioned later, Hymenaeus and Philetus, who are mentioned over in chapter 2, if you're, if you're following chapter 2, verse 17, he talks about their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus, more names for you, and Philetus are of this sort. Those guys are also mentioned in 1 Timothy chapter 1, and then this Alexander and are also mentioned in 2 Timothy chapter 4. So there's this, there's this group. I, I, like to, I personally call them the posse. That's what I call them in, in my own study. You've got this posse of these guys who have kind of gotten together and basically they are a group who has gotten together and in the church in, under Paul's ministry they have resisted the truth. You see it kind of spelled out there very clearly in verse 15. He, he says, this you know, that all those in Asia, the, including this, this posse, this Phygelus and Hermogenes, they have, they have turned away turned away. Literally, the phrase turned away means they've turned their back. You know how it is, right? It, and, and maybe not in, in physical posture in the church. You know what I mean? Maybe I've had that happen before, Pastor Dan, in church, actually. People, you know, physically doing walking out or whatever. Maybe they haven't physically walked out. Maybe they haven't physically turned their back. But you, you know how it is sometimes. Maybe, maybe we're in here, but in your heart, you know, the attitude you can see all over. It's kind of this and this group has gotten together, and they've gotten negative, and they've bonded together. It's really easy to bond over negativity, isn't it? You ever notice? 
Really, and, and negativity, just like James talks about, it spreads like, you know, the tongue can start this forest fire kind of thing. Negativity can spread so fast in the church, and this group has gotten negative and negative and whatever they've criticized. And for whatever reason, they've kind of gotten together, and they're in their hearts at least, they've turned away. They're saying, no way, hey, we're not listening anymore, hey, yada-da-da-da-da-da-da, we're close, hey, we're here, but we're not really here, you know what I mean, tonight? That can happen in a church. And I pray tonight... I pray tonight with all my heart that you and I will go home to our home churches and not be that. I pray in the name of Jesus that each of us will go back to our home churches. Because I said it at the beginning of the week, and I'll say it again. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if camp meeting does not make us better Christians back at our home church, it's not worth having. If camp meeting does not cause us to be better Christians back at our home churches, more of a blessing, more of a help, more of encouragement, more servant-hearted back at our home church, it's a waste of our time. These guys were into this negativity. They turned away. Actually, in the, in the original language, it even goes further because it's in a, it's in a form that means they, they literally were adversarial told towards Paul. They were literally adversarial. They were the group, you've seen them before at church, right? They were the group that was out there whispering in the parking lot. They were the group that was having the little back room meetings. All right, they were the group that were figuring out how can we get rid of this guy. They were the group that turned adversarial. They were literally, and, and by the way, it also is in the singular, which means they were acting in unison on this. Well, that's awful, isn't it? <laughs> this group, this posse, turning away in their hearts, acting in unison, negativity. Thank God for the contrast of verses 16 through 18. <laughs> Thank God for this guy that Paul mentions in verses 16 through 18. He also mentions them again over in chapter 4, verse 19, just for good measure. Onesephorus. Onesephorus is such a blessing to Paul instead. Here these guys are such negative. Here these guys are undermining. Here these guys are kind of like antagonistic, like toward him and toward the gospel and towards the truth, whispering in the corner, all that kind of stuff, undermining. Here on the other hand, here's this Onesephorus. Look at this Onesephorus. In contrast, in contrast, this Onesephorus, he, it says he, um, he was not, verse 16, he was not ashamed, but instead of being ashamed of me when I was in prison, Instead of turning me away, instead of selling me down the river, instead of undermining me, in contrast, this guy acted quite differently. Look at what he did in verse 17. He sought me and he found me. He came looking for me. He came after me. He purposefully, intentionally, thoughtfully said, Hey man, where's Paul? I want to go minister to him. I, I, I want to go help him. I want to encourage his life. I want, to, I want to encourage his ministry. I want to lift him up. Those two verbs, he sought me and he found me, are both in the active voice in Greek, which means no accident, not just happen chance. Hey, he literally, mindfully, thoughtfully, purposely, intentionally came and sought out the Apostle Paul. Where do you think Onesephorus got that? Isn't that how Jesus is with us tonight? Can anybody testify tonight that Jesus sought you and found you? <laughs> could we have testimonies tonight? Of course, you don't want to because it's hot. But could we have testimonies tonight? And could we, could we go around and talk about how Jesus, I could testify tonight how Jesus found me when I was 17 years old? And boy, oh boy, was he seeking me. <laughs> oh, he was, I was running. 
as a teenager. I was running. I was going my own way. Hey, I was a good guy, but going my own way, doing my own thing, turning my back. And yet Jesus kept seeking and seeking and seeking and knocking on the door of my heart. He was that hound of heaven. He was intentionally seeking. And thank God tonight that Jesus found me when I was 17 years old. Anybody else tonight? Jesus, that's the heart of Jesus, what you see in Onesephorus. And by the way, tonight, everybody, we all need that sometimes in our lives. Sometimes you just need somebody that comes after you, brother, sister in Christ, right? Sometimes you need somebody that's going to be those hands and that face and the mouth, the the words of Jesus to you in your life. Sometimes when we're alone and we're struggling, we need an Onesephorus in our life tonight, don't we? All of us do. All of us need somebody that's coming after us that, that intentionally, purposefully, thoughtfully planned out says, hey man, how can I come to you where you are and meet your need? How can I come to you where you are and minister to your need? Are, are, are you available for that tonight? Who are you being that to? You see the contrast? Here's the posse in verse 15. Phygelus and Hermogenes, negative, undermining, bitter, antagonistic, hurting Paul in the ministry. On the other hand, here's this Onesephorus that is actually seeking him out, ministering, encouraging him, active, intentional. And I tell you tonight that what Paul expresses in these verses is that each of those, each of those, both the negative and the positive, both the, the, those guys in verse 15 and the Onesephorus, each of them has had an impact on our lives. Make no mistake about it, beloved. We all have an impact on each other's lives. We do. Your life has had, does have an impact in this camp. Your life, your words, your expression, your presence, your attitude. You, you do realize tonight that when we're in church together, this is not a one-man show on the platform. This is not a performance tonight. We're not at a concert. We're not at a public speaking event. Hey, when we're in the church, you do realize that we are the body of Christ and there is a spiritual atmosphere in this place. And what's going on is every single one of us, what's going on in us, in our spirit, in our attitude, is affecting this place. Your attitude affects your church, no mistake about it. You're, you're no spectator, you're no insignificant person back at your local church next Sunday. I'll be back at mine next Sunday. You're no insignificant person. You walk into that place, you have an impact. You have an impact. Your thoughts, your attitude, your actions, your words, you have an impact. And Paul's saying, man, I've got to tell you, Timothy, these folks have had an impact one way or another on my life. By the, the same is true for you and me tonight. You're having an impact one way or the other on your family. You're having an impact one way or the other on your church. You're having an impact one way or another on this camp. You will have an impact one way or another at your school. It happens. Notice that the impact in verse 15 of Phygelus and Hermogenes, again, negative, undermining, bitter, turn their hearts away from truth, they weren't open in their lives. And that's the, it's the bottom line of where these guys were. They, they decided we are no longer open to truth. Hey, we're good people. We're church people. But we are not open to truth. We're not into the seeking business. Hey, that whole seeking thing, you guys can spot off about that all you want. Responding to Jesus, blah, blah, blah. Hey, we're good enough in church just the way we are. That was their attitude. No seeking. No truth for us. We're fine the way we are. Hey, we're, we're, we're going to go along the way we are. This whole attitude. Paul says, man, Timothy, I just got to tell you, those Guys, those guys really impacted my life. Do you see what he said in verse 15? 
the impact that it had on him? Look at what he says in verse 15. This you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me. Can I be honest tonight? I don't know if you ever realized this about the Apostle Paul. He got emotional sometimes. Did you know the Apostle Paul got emotional sometimes? Anybody here ever get emotional sometimes? Does anybody here ever speak out of their emotion? You ever speak out of your emotion? And how many of you that speak out of your emotion, the two of us that do here tonight, how many of you that speak out of emotion sometimes, how many here have ever exaggerated something? Have you ever exaggerated something? Everything is going wrong. No, not really. You know what I mean? But it just feels like it, you know? It was one or two things or three things that happened in the same day, and I call my wife and say, everything is terrible. I have this terrible emotional trait in my life, right? Everything is going wrong. Not really. Come on, step back, look at it objectively. It's just one or two things. But those were so big, it just felt like everything. You know, you ever been there? Look at what Paul says. All those in Asia have turned away from me. Not really, Paul. Do you know who was in Asia? Timothy, for one. And the whole church at Ephesus is in Asia. So it's not true. It's not an objective state. It's not an objective fact that everybody in Asia had turned away from the Apostle Paul. If, if nobody else, you got Timothy with you, and he's in Asia, even as you're writing this letter. All right? But it sure felt like it. When somebody hurts you, it sure feels big. You have an impact tonight, don't you? But likewise, Onesephorus had. I, I, I'd rather turn to the impact that Onesephorus had in his life. Look at, look, look at that. He says this. The Lord grant, verse 16, the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesephorus, for he often what? Everybody see what he did? He often what? Refreshed me. Oh boy, is that a difference? Instead of hurting me, instead of discouraging me, instead of making me like despair, instead of the damage that it has caused me in my life from all the negativity and lack of openness to Jesus. Look at this Onesephorus, so full of Jesus, so full of the seeking heart of Jesus. This Onesephorus, he often refreshed me. I love that phrase because it literally is the idea of like, like, like a breath of fresh air. You know anybody like that? You have people in your life that... Boy, it's restful to be around them. You walk away and go, wow, I feel better. Why do you feel better? I don't know. Did things change? No, I just feel better, right? You got somebody like that in your life? That's what Onesephorus was for him, this breath of fresh air. He says down there in verse 18, at the end of verse 18, he ministered to me. In other words, he served is the Greek word. He served. He ministered to me. So, so literally, this Onesephorus, as opposed to being this discouragement in his life that made him feel so terrible about stuff to the point that he exaggerated even, here's this Onesephorus that is a blessing in his life. He's a delight in his life. He's a delight. He makes his heart feel glad. He, he, he's around him and his heart is refreshed. It makes his... His whole day seemed better just when Onesephorus shows up. It's funny how it's, funny how it's like that with different people. Do you, do you know anybody that when they walk into the room or when they show up at the meeting, everybody goes, oh no. Anybody like that in your life? 
I mean, all they have to do is, they don't even talk yet. You just know it's coming. You know what's coming. We've seen it before. They show up. It's just kind of like, oh, man. When they show up at the board meeting, oh, man. When they show up at work, oh, no. Teacher in the classroom, oh, no. On the other hand, do you know somebody in your life, whenever they show up, you go, wow, we're better off. Hey, everything's going to be okay. Why? They're here. And may I ask you tonight, which are you? Which are you in your family? Which are you at your church? Which are you at your job? Are you the person that when you show up, everybody goes, everything's going to be all right. The day looks a whole lot brighter. See, beloved, tonight, what, what Paul was basically trying to communicate to Timothy is this. Timothy, our lives matter and have a lasting impact. Our lives, your life, my life, the lives of all God's children, to quote Barney Fife, have lasting impact. See, in verse 15, the, the Phygelus and Hermogenes, look at what he says about them at the beginning. Look at what he says. This you know about them. This you know. The word know there means you've seen it. So in other words, these guys have a reputation. You've seen it before. Hey, these guys have shown up at church board meetings before, and we know what they do. Hey, whenever they're around, we know what they do. Hey, we know what their attitude is. We look out at them every Sunday in our congregation. Same old rotten attitude. Same old stinky attitude in the church. Every single Sunday, we know who they are. We've seen them before. We've seen the song and dance before. They are known. It's interesting to me that these guys are mentioned only one time in history. And this is it. For posterity forever, this is what these guys are known for. Bunch of negative sourpusses. Everybody, our lives leave ripples. The impact of our lives tonight leaves ripples. And it goes both ways. Because look at what he says about Onesephorus. He says about Onesephorus down in verse 18, the Lord grant mercy to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well. Oh, just like you've seen those guys, the posse at church, you know their rotten attitude. Oh, you know how they are and we all roll our eyes and pray something will happen when they show up. But oh Lord, when Onesephorus, oh, you know very well. See, you know him. Oh, he's got a track record too. Oh, we, how many times have we been around Onesephorus, man? And he was just this breath of fresh air. He was like literally having Jesus there. He was this guy that just blessed you. He was, he was the guy that just left behind this fragrance of Christ. Oh, I want to be like that tonight, don't you? He just had this lasting effect of Jesus. And the thing about that, everybody, is you don't turn that on or off. Did we talk in James this morning about fresh water, salt water? Uh, That was earlier in the book. You don't turn that on or off. Oh, I think today I'll be a blessing. Oh, I think I'm done with that today. I'm taking vacation. I think I'll be negative today. You don't turn that on or off. See, see, somebody that is a blessing, somebody that has Jesus at work in his or her life like that, that is that breath of fresh air. And we're not talking they're perfect tonight, okay? Paul wasn't perfect. Onesephorus wasn't perfect. Just probably ask Onesephorus' wife and kids. He probably forgot to take out the trash and, you know, leaves his socks around and stuff like that and all that. You know, he says faults, right? But, but in the middle of all that, man, the guy is just full of Jesus and is a blessing. And you just don't turn that on or off. 
If you see that in public with him, you know it's true at home too. He's a blessing to his wife and he's a blessing to his children and he's a blessing to the guys that he works with down on the construction site and he's a blessing to the UPS delivery driver and he's a blessing to the cashier at Walmart, man. And he's a blessing to that girl in the drive-thru window at McDonald's even when she got the order wrong. Man, he's a blessing. Everywhere he goes, man, he's just this... Is that you tonight? I want to be, don't you? Can I say to you tonight, again... Just like the other guys, Onesephorus is mentioned once in all of history, brothers and sisters, and this is what he's known for. You want to have that in your life tonight? I do. I want to be a blessing to my family. We all, can I say it again? We all have lasting effects. Our lives matter. Our lives have lasting effects in the people around us. You and I are going to go home this week, next Sunday, one way, or there is no neutral I'm just going to go just be, no, one way or the other, I will impact my church next Sunday. One way or the other, you will impact your family. One way or the other, you are affecting this service tonight. One way or the other. And you say to me, John, I, 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 I don't know about you, I feel desperate tonight to say, Jesus, I don't want to be a curse. I don't want to be a downer. I don't want to be somebody that nobody wants to see coming. I don't want to be the one that as my kids grow up and as my grandkids come along, I don't want to be the, I don't want to be the grandpa that they can't wait to go home, right? I want to be the one that shows them Christ. I love how Brian sings that. I pray my steps will lead them to Christ. I want to be the refreshing. I want to be that blessing. How do I do that? Well, one more thing. You can go buy your CD. There's one thing that stands out about Onesephorus that seems to make him what he is. It's not that he had anything together, all right? Can we... Jesus, can you help us as the church, and especially as the holiness church, can you please get us past the idea that we need to have it all together? Can you please, Jesus, get us past the idea that just because we might have been entirely sanctified doesn't mean we still need growth in our lives? Can you please get us past that, Jesus? Onesephorus was a human being just like you and I. He was a man in process just like you and I. Anybody in process tonight? But one thing about Onesephorus, he was the recipient of mercy. The mercy of God. In fact, it's so important, Paul says it twice. He says it in verse 16, and he says it in verse 18. Look, the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesephorus. And then in verse 18, he says, the Lord grant him that he may find mercy from the Lord mercy. He is the recipient of the grace and mercy of God. That's it. What, what makes somebody a blessing in the lives? You mean they're really talented? Oh, they can sing. Oh, he can preach. Oh, they're good looking. Oh, no. What makes somebody a blessing is that they become, literally, they are the recipient of the grace and mercy of Jesus and they just pay it forward. All they do is pass it along. Man, thank you for your grace, Jesus. Who can I give it to? Thank you for your mercy, Jesus. Who needs it today? That's Onesephorus. 
Now, speculation is, and by the way, if you're going to minister tonight, if anybody's thinking about ministering at your home church, children's church, Sunday school, hope you will, preaching, music, whatever, at your local church, if you're thinking about ministering, you better be the recipient of His grace and mercy. Otherwise, you don't have a thing to give. We are conduits. We don't produce anything. We're the conduits. Amen? We're the conduits. So he was the recipient of grace and mercy. And there's a couple things about that. One is that a lot of people speculate in the commentaries that here was Onesephorus, and Onesephorus and his family were going through some hardships. That's why Paul really prays for them. Oh, Lord, give him mercy. Oh, God, have mercy on them. And the speculation is that Onesephorus and his family were going through some financial hardship or some kind of strain in their lives. And yet, isn't it amazing that even in the middle of his, his own brokenness, in the middle of his own strain, in the middle of his own problems, Onesephorus was just open to this mercy of Jesus in his life. <laughs> and in his brokenness, man, he was ministering to Paul. Wow. And one more thing tonight, and then I'll have Grace play. He's not perfect, everybody. He's just needy. And I want to ask you a couple questions as we close tonight. Well, three. Anybody desperate tonight to have a lasting impact on the people around you? Do you, do you want to go home and be an incredible blessing to your church? No, John, I think I want to go be a problem. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I think I, I'm praying this year about going home and causing a church split, I think. Come on, don't you? We do. I want to be a blessing, man. I want to see the kingdom advanced in my church. I want to see my pastor lifted up, man. By the way, you better be a blessing to your pastor. God's going to hold you accountable for that. I want to be a blessing to my pastor. I want to be my pastor's greatest encouragement. I encourage you this week, go home and be a prayer warrior for your pastor. He needs it. Believe me. Believe me. He needs it more than you know. Jesus, I want to pour you over my family. I want to be the bright spot in my church, man. Not that any credit is to me. Not, nothing about me, Jesus. But I want to be a blessing. I want, anybody want that? I want to be... Well, there's only one way to that tonight. Mercy, Jesus. Mercy. I need you tonight. I need you. I need your mercy in my life. I am the biggest most neediest candidate in this world for your grace and mercy. And Jesus, if you would find it fit to give me a chance to minister that to somebody else, please do. While grace plays tonight, let me ask you one more time. As you leave this camp, what's going to be the impact tomorrow what's going to be the impact of your life even in the car on the way home Wednesday night Tuesday on the job kids and grandkids we have an amazing opportunity tonight beloved one more time Whew. thank you Jesus for your mercy Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. There may have been places in my life where I've not been a blessing. You've not been a blessing through me. 
Oh God, change me. Take me as I am. Transform me. And make me a breath of fresh air. Your breath in this world. If that's you tonight, I won't pull you. won't press you. But this altar uh, is a good place for people who need mercy. It's a humbling place. It's a desperate place. Maybe you can't kneel. Maybe you'd rather raise your hand tonight or stand or something. Is there anybody here tonight that wants that lasting impact of Jesus? Ripples. And I say, oh, Jesus, but I'm going to need your mercy. He's ready tonight. In fact, he's already giving it. (laughs) He's already embracing you. Just waiting for you to respond. Would you join us in these moments in responding to him with that tonight? Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy.